Last Sunday we celebrated Palm Sunday, and in our reading from Mark's Gospel we heard the crowds lay down their cloaks and wave branches so Jesus could triumphantly enter Jerusalem. The crowds cried, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And this was the high point of Jesus' ministry. Crowds were recognising Jesus as the Messiah, and he was completing his journey to Jerusalem. Jesus' ministry, of course, had started small. He'd been baptised by his cousin John in the Jordan, and then been tested in the wilderness for 40 days. Then he returned and called his first disciples. And over time, more and more people came to hear Jesus. The number of his followers grew. He preached the good news of the kingdom of God drawing near. But even as his ministry grew, there was opposition from the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes and the teachers of the law. And there's a saying that a week is a long time in politics, and certainly this week was a long one for Jesus. The first century equivalent of opinion polls would have shown Jesus' approval rating plummeting. The crowds that had welcomed Jesus to Jerusalem had dissipated. The crowds that had cheered were no more. Mark tells us that Jesus' first stop in Jerusalem had been the temple, and there he drove out those who were selling things. And each day Jesus walked the temple courts where he was challenged by the chief priests and the teachers and the elders and they tried to catch Jesus out. They tried to entrap him. The question about paying taxes to Caesar and the terribly hypothetical question about a woman who had been widowed by seven brothers in turn and the question about which was the most important commandment. Big things, of course, were happening. Each day in Jerusalem, Jesus would be at the temple and each night he would return to Bethany. The mood was getting darker and darker. And by Thursday night, there were only 12 left. And Thursday night was the Passover, which demanded a special meal, a symbolic meal. And during dinner, Jesus told the disciples it would be his last meal. He took the bread and he broke it. He took the cup and he shared it. He told the disciples that one of them would betray him. They were saddened, and Mark tells us of the disciples saying one by one to Jesus, Surely not I. Jesus told them that they would all fall away. But Peter, impetuous Peter, pledged his complete devotion. Even though I must die with you, I will not deny you, he said. And Jesus told him, Truly I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. During the meal, Judas slipped away. And as we heard in our first reading from John's Gospel, the remaining disciples went with Jesus to the Gethsemane. From the crowds of last Sunday, it was now just a few going into the garden with Jesus. Jesus had often been in the garden with his disciples, so Judas knew it too. Verse 3 from our reading from John's Gospel tells us that Judas went there with a detachment of soldiers and police from the chief priests and the Pharisees, and they came with lanterns, torches and weapons. Jesus, we read, knew and understood what was happening. And he stepped forward, likely to protect his followers from violence. Who are you looking for? He asked. And they answered, Jesus of Nazareth, they said. I am he, Jesus answered, and they fell to the ground. Which is a bit odd if you think about it. They're after Jesus and Jesus says, here I am. And they fall over. Except that they didn't fall over as such. But John tells us that they fell to the ground. They bowed. They were in awe. 
Because Jesus didn't say, here I am. He said, I am he. And I am is how God refers to himself. Remember way back in Exodus when Moses encounters the burning bush, God says to him, I am the God of your father. So Jesus saying, I am he, was either so blasphemous to Jewish ears or so forceful that they were awed or shocked and they fell to the ground. In verse 8, Jesus offers himself to those who came to arrest him. If you are looking for me, he says, let these men go. I think it's fair to say that the soldiers and all the rest would have come looking for a fight. But Jesus didn't give them one. When Peter tried to start a fight, Jesus told him to stop. So Jesus was arrested and then he was alone. And the first stop after his arrest was to Annas, the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest. And I don't know whether you noticed it, but in verse 14 of chapter 18, John gives us this wonderful aside when he says Caiaphas was the one who advised the Jews that it was better to have one person die for the people. We can appreciate that, of course, as a wonderful truth. But as we discussed at Bible study a couple of weeks ago, that's probably not what Caiaphas had in mind when he said it. After going before Annas and after going before Caiaphas, John tells us that Jesus ended up before the Roman governor Pilate. He was handed over by his own people, the Jews, to the Romans. And Pilate was confused. He's been handed this prisoner, but it's not clear what Jesus had done. And we had this strange interview between Pilate and Jesus. Pilate, who was effectively all-powerful, and Jesus, who was effectively powerless. At the beginning of chapter 19, John tells us that Pilate had Jesus flogged. Pilate told the people he found no case against Jesus. But the people cried, crucify him. The crowds cried, crucify him. What had happened to the crowds from last Sunday who'd been crying, Hosanna? Were they afraid? Were they in hiding? Or possibly worse still, were they the very same people that were crying, crucify him now? In the face of this demand from the people, Pilate handed over Jesus to be crucified. John tells us that Jesus carried his cross to the place of the skull where they crucified him. And John tells us that Jesus' last words from the cross were, it is finished. It is finished or it is accomplished in some translations. What is finished? What could someone in total anguish, total despair, on that cross, completely alone and dying, accomplish? In Luke's Gospel, we read about the two criminals who were crucified with Jesus. One hurled insults at Jesus, aren't you the Christ? He said, save yourself and us. But the other criminal reacted differently. He recognised Jesus for who he was. Jesus tells us that the second criminal rebuked the first. Don't you fear God, we are punished justly. But this man has done nothing wrong. And having recognised Jesus, he turns to him in hope. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And just picture in your mind that criminal for a moment, hanging there on the cross, waiting to die of exposure or trauma or blood loss or suffocation. And he turns to the man hanging next to him for help, a man in exactly the same situation that he is, 
Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Luke's gospel tells us that Jesus said to that man, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. Even though he himself was dying, Jesus was compassionate to the criminal. And the criminal had done nothing to earn Jesus' favour. He hadn't given money to charity or made good on broken promises or done any good deeds. And indeed, in his situation, there was no chance to do any of those things. But he could still put his faith in Jesus. Remember me when you come into your kingdom, he said. And no matter where we are or what we've done or how bad we're feeling, that's all we need to do. The criminal could put his faith in Jesus, and so can we. We can say, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. At the beginning of his ministry, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. In Jesus' life and ministry, the kingdom of God had come near. But in his In Jesus' death, the kingdom of God had arrived. It is finished. It is accomplished. It is done. The power of sin and death had been broken. It is finished for the criminal. Jesus finished it for him. And it is finished for us. The power of death over our lives is also finished. Yes, it's daunting, but because Jesus died, because Jesus finished it, he finished it for us all, once and for all. Now, the distance from the triumphal entry to Golgotha isn't that far, and I'm told by people that have done it that these days it's quite a pleasant walk. For Jesus, though, at one level, it was a long way, from the adulation of Palm Sunday to the agony of the cross. The week in the politics of first century Judea had been a long one, from the crowd's praise on Sunday to sneering and mocking on Friday. But at another level, the crowd's cries of Hosanna, save us, on Palm Sunday, were answered by Jesus' death on Good Friday. It is finished. We have a choice, though. There were two criminals crucified with Jesus. One hurled insults at him, one turned to Jesus. We have that choice. All people have that choice. And many, many people still today choose to hurl insults at Jesus, to mock him, to sneer at him, to turn away from him, even as they're dying. But if we turn to Jesus and ask him to remember us, then truly, when our time comes, we will be with him in paradise. Hosanna. Amen.